how much perspective can a 22-year-old have about older people? That's how you end up with ads like that that say shit that is just completely wrong because they don't understand what it's like to get older and that it gets better. Welcome to Longevity Gains, the show that reveals the near limitless opportunities for digital marketers and entrepreneurs in the longevity economy. We're talking about the people aged 50 and over who already account for more than half of consumer spending in the US and 83% of household wealth, which will only increase in the years to come. It's the $22 trillion opportunity you can't afford to ignore. Brian, we are here recording this episode the week before Thanksgiving, so the holiday season is almost fully upon us, and that strikes me as perfectly appropriate timing for a discussion about nostalgia, because I feel like this is the time of year when I always feel the most nostalgic. Yeah, I guess so. Huh. I hadn't really made any kind of correlation between the holidays and nostalgia, but there's there's probably something to that. Is I don't get just- to un... I don't get to unwrap gifts gifts under the tree anymore. So, it's, that, I think it's especially interesting with young kids because I mean, my daughter just loves Christmas, and so she's already busted out the Christmas movies. And so this weekend we watched Home Alone and Muppet Christmas Carol. Home Alone is my oh, favorite. Okay. My wife's favorite is Muppet Christmas Carol, and we love that she loves them. And it's just you know watching those always brings back those memories of being a kid around the holidays. So pleasant. Yeah. Nostalgia. Okay. I totally missed that because. I have on, you know, my iTunes movie library, the classic stop motion animation, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which has Heat Miser and Ice Miser. And I even introduced my kids to it. And they're like, let's watch Heat Miser and Ice Miser. It's (laughs) the greatest. Rudolph is up there, but it is. But Heat Miser and Ice Miser. Yep. Those those silly songs that they sing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. I get your I get your point now. And yes, of course, you got to watch Home Alone and and of course Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes. We all know that. And uh there's a lot of inappropriate Christmas movies like <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut by Stanley Kubrick is technically a Christmas movie. A Christmas I wouldn't movie? recommend it. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it for the kids. Yeah. But... <laughs> Maybe if we'll stick with the animated, the original animated Grinch, which we always love watching with my yeah, father. Yeah, we'll stick with the Grinch and Heat Miser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about nostalgia, Brian, um, and and specifically kind of this trend that we've seen with nostalgia marketing, and specifically how you do that effectively and not effectively uh, with older consumers. Uh, but let's start just with nostalgia itself, which. I think would be fair to describe as a bittersweet emotion. I mean, we're talking about it in very positive terms here, but it's not always viewed that way. Well, that is interesting. And you're right. Historically, it's been uh, called the bittersweet emotion. And it just amazes me the further I dig into uh, this kind of stuff and you find the hidden ageism because What they mean by bittersweet is it makes you reflect on when you were younger, and therefore it must be bittersweet because you are now old, Mm -hmm. right? 
And so when I've heard this before, in fact, Trudy wrote about nostalgia further and called it the bittersweet emotion. I'm like, I guess, I don't know. I don't ever feel bad when I'm nostalgic. I actually feel pretty good. Well, guess what the research shows, Jared? Mm -hmm. Overwhelmingly, not everyone, nothing applies to everyone, but in large numbers, people generally have positive feelings when you evoke nostalgia. And I think that's why you're seeing it more and more in marketing and advertising. So this idea that it's bittersweet is ageist because it assumes that you're pining for your lost youth. And we'll go into this mm -hmm. uh, a little deeper as we get into the, the show. But isn't that interesting? Because up until we were doing our research for this show and really digging in a lot deeper than than surface level, I didn't put that together. And uh, it's interesting, right? So mm -hmm. research shows generally people view nostalgia as a positive thing. So right there, that's a plus sign for using nostalgia or generationally appropriate nostalgia, I guess, because what invokes a, a good feeling in someone uh, may not in someone else, or at least not as strong. For example, you've heard about this new Beatles song, right? They basically took, you know, Paul McCartney is still alive, and then they took a, an old demo track from John Lennon, and uh, they put it together with AI, and they have a new song. And I just saw that it hit number seven on the charts. That's wow. That's pretty interesting. And you know, I'm a Beatles fan. I, I more than anyone or anyone who's sensible should know that the Beatles are the foundational band, really, for everything that came after. Right? They were exceptionally innovative and groundbreaking. Uh, so yes, let's acknowledge that. But when Nirvana released their last song, You Know You're Right, which was actually a real song, no AI, no re-recording, they just hadn't released it. It was the last song they recorded before Kurt died. And then, of course, Courtney had to fight with Dave and Chris to uh, and hold it up for 20 years. But when that was released, I'm like, ah, oh, damn. This may be one of my favorite Nirvana songs. If only, you know, you start thinking if only uh, things had turned out differently. So that is more resonant with me than the Beatles song. The Beatles thing, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And I listen to it and I'm like, okay, that's good. But so this is one of the things that is generationally, contextually defined because um, people of all different generations are the same in a lot of ways. They're different together in a lot of ways. But the time period where you grew up will always define your strongest nostalgic reaction. So this is one area where generation, really by talking about time periods more than boomers are like this and Xers are like this. No, it's more like we grew up in this time period and, you know, so that is something to keep in mind. Uh, you're not going to have universal nostalgic reactions as ev with everything else. It comes down to who are your people. It's so funny. I see this in sports all the time. One of the questions that we'll ask our new community members at the assembly call is who's your favorite IU basketball player? And almost always it's someone who was good when they were between the ages of 10 to 14. 
almost always. Like those are the guys they were larger than life, you know, at that time. And you just cling to those memories and those teams as being your favorites and the most beloved, even if the teams after win more, you know. So yeah, I mean, you see that in so many different walks of life. Yeah, that's interesting. Same with and, music, and you know. Yeah, no that that is a great example. Sports nostalgia is very. Uh, the nostalgia is strong with sports fans is another yes. a, a Star Wars way of saying that. <laughs> Very. So I'm curious about your experience kind of using nostalgia. Have you used it in the past? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess um, during the early days of Copyblogger, I kind of was the first person who would make pop culture analogies and metaphors when trying to teach people copywriting and content marketing. But I didn't view that as nostalgia. I viewed it as a pop culture reference. Now, most of my references came from the 80s and 90s, right? For the same reason you're saying you said with sports, right? So your favorite bands, your favorite songs, your favorite movies kind of happen during a period of time, generally when you're young, not universally, but a lot of it, right? And um, so I would make these references, and I also didn't realize at the time that that's a great way to attract a Gen X audience, which I wasn't doing on purpose at that time, but it makes perfect sense to me. But I was doing it because that's authentic to me. Number two, it's a way to connect strongly with people at an identity level, remember, it all comes down to unity. It comes down to shared identity so that you can build trust with people so that you can kind of lead them uh, in the direction both they want to go and you want them to go. But Gen X was really the first generation that took the pop culture reference into a figure of, you know, a, a form of speech. It, it was really part of how we communicated with each other. And I think that really was a unique thing about Generation X in that it was a form of identity. Yes, we both like Pulp Fiction, so we're going to quote this to each other, especially guys. Um, it was a uh, a status thing, right? Because, you know, the more obscure reference you could make, if the person got it, they just went up in status in their own mind and in yours, you know, all of these, you know, things that make uh, a psychologically human are at play when you do this kind of pop, pop culture reference thing. Now the Gen Z kids go have taken it so far with memes, you know, but, but you also see it a bit nostalgically, for example, in Marvel movies, when Captain America says, I got that reference, right? It's uh Getting references is a form of connection. It's a form of uh, shared identity, uh, and it, it's a form of status, right? So that's what I was doing during the early days of Copyblogger, and I am most assured that that was a big part of it. Number one, because no one did that at the time. Writing was, you know, and blogging especially, very kind of straightforward. People, you know, were just not really adding these engagement elements. It was more just kind of straightforward substance, which is fine, but copywriting tells us that when you tell stories and use metaphors and analogies, you not only teach better, but you connect more strongly. So 
that is how uh, I guess it, you would have to say that was nostalgia because I was usually going back 20 or at least 15 years with my references. Now, with further, I have to tell you, I specifically do the flashback knowing that it's a form of nostalgia, it's a form of connection, it's a form of shared identity. And uh, I think it drives Trudy a little crazy sometimes when I tell her that some people open further, scroll all the way down the flashback just to see what it is. <laughs> and that means they're ignoring my writing and her writing. <laughs> but, you know, that it, I'll take it, it as opposed to a delete or a non-open. Um, now, the only thing I'll say, you know, every time I pick that week's video, I always go to YouTube to look at the video and I look at the comments underneath and it's all nostalgia, 100%. Uh, even young people are like, man, I wish I would have grown up in the 80s and all this stuff. Occasionally, there'll be one or two comments, usually maybe just one that's heartbreaking because you'll have a person say, everything is terrible in my life right now. And this reminds me of when things were good. And that is not only heartbreaking, but that is the last thing that you want to invoke in people. So again, I say the research shows that generally you we have positive feelings, but not everyone. Some people are maybe going through a hard time, or they may be an older person that has negative views on aging. And we know that if you have a negative view of aging, the aging experience really sucks for you. If you have positive views of aging, everything is better. You live longer. You tend to be healthier because you take care of yourself, right? So we want to avoid that. But in my experience, and as far as the research shows, that is a minority thing. And of course, we can never account for everyone, unfortunately. But I think you need to be mindful of how you use nostalgia, not to invoke this, those were the days feeling more like, oh, that was awesome. And I'm still alive and making new memories and new experiences and new connections right now. That's what we're trying to do, not live in the past, because that is the enemy of progress. It's the enemy of personal growth. And a lot of times it's the enemy of purchasing because you're just kind of stuck in a rut. Do you think nostalgia can also help fill just kind of a latent need that so many people have for social connectedness in a society where it seems like kind of our shared experiences are fewer and further between than they were before, especially with pop culture? Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, I think uh, that perhaps you actually read the research I sent you because... <laughs> <laughs> But that's a, that's it. Um, the positive feelings, among other things, are primarily linked to a a form of broad social connectedness, which is belonging at the humanity scale. I guess is the best way to put it. So um, now, again, with Indiana basketball, you're you're also having group identification there, um, but generally, just general nostalgia. Uh, makes you feel connected to people like someone, for example, music or film or television, someone created this thing and that was a good thing. And, you know, 
this is a, a positive side of humanity. I, I, this is, this is my interpretation, but yeah, number one thing that leads to these positive feelings is a form of social connectedness. So when you think about that, if you can invoke that good feeling of big B belonging, you're, you're perfectly primed to invoke the unity principle and say, you belong with me as well. This group, this movement, what we're trying to do here, this audience, you belong here because we all remember, you know, when the cures disintegration dropped and everyone lost their minds because it was the most beautiful cure album they'd ever heard. And people are still saying that to, you know, to this day, but you know, this is an example of it, but um, it, it's an inter- It's a fascinating thing because it's not necessarily tied to the type of belonging that we talk about with the unity principle. It's not necessarily a group thing, but it could be. So for example, um, this past weekend uh, over on Threads, which is the Twitter replacement, I would say, but it's, uh, you know, Twitter or X has become so unrecognizable. It's kind of its own thing. Anyway, as an early stage social platform, you get a lot of meme type posts where people say, list your favorite this or the other, and then quote retweet to keep it going. Uh, which is kind of fun, stuff you don't see on other platforms these days. But there was one going around where everyone had to list uh, a list of concert-related first or whatever. So like your first concert, the last concert you went to, your favorite concert, who have you seen the most times, who do you wish you'd seen, this kind of thing. Yeah, it really was. So I did it. And I picked up more new followers from that post than anything <laughs> useful that I would have had, that I post over there. So, um, but one thing that that stood out in particular, um, you know, like okay, so I'll run through it, so I'm not leaving everyone guessing. Let's see, first concert was Kiss in 1979. I was in wow. fifth grade. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, last concert was Duran Duran at Red Rocks. Kind of a flex. Uh, <laughs> uh, at least for the right uh, generation, right? Yes. For Generation X. Um, let's see. Uh, I've seen the most. It was a tie between Jane's Addiction, The Cure, and Soundgarden. Big activity during the 90s and late 80s, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that that most people really went, wow, was Best Concert, Prince, Purple Rain Tour. I was 17. I saw him Jeez. twice. Out of I know, and people are just like, "Oh God, I wish I would have seen Prince." Or I saw Prince, but the Purple Rain tour, oh my God, you know. Yeah. And uh, there was all this connection, so that's a a form of social connection, <laughs> no pun intended, because it was social media that is is somewhat generationally group belonging, right? You had to be of a certain age for those things uh those shows to be meaningful and even you know uh some regret if you didn't get to see some of that kind of stuff so we may it it may still be at the generational level when we use nostalgia as a uh, technique to call people back to a certain time frame so we know we know the type of bands 
that will resonate with baby boomers. It's not like Gen Xers don't like the Beatles or the Who or, you know, the Doors, what have you. Yeah. Um, but we have our own groups that resonate more strongly generally than that. So there may be some compressed social connectedness that is generational, but basically you just feel better about being a member of humanity, especially when we're bombarded with terrible news daily. I think that's a big part of it. Um, but you you really want to take that feel-good social connectedness and try to extrapolate it into the relationship you're trying to form with your audience uh, at the unity and identification level. Let's talk about nostalgia with respect to older consumers and how it can be kind of what the research shows about how it can be used effectively and some of the potential landmines that are out there that you need to watch out for. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff in here. Um, again, the research reflected that the primary uh, feel-good aspect of nostalgia is social connectedness. But what was interesting, and, and they tested, uh, they did the research and had subjects of all ages, but they were really interested in this particular study and the effect of nostalgia on older consumers. And they found that in addition to social connectedness, uh, nostalgia tends to trigger a feeling of youthfulness. And I, when I read that, I, I was kind of trying to think, does it make me feel younger when I experience nostalgia? Because I kind of seek out nostalgia. <laughs> um, and maybe, I don't know, I'm going to have to keep that in mind next time. I definitely feel that, uh, that glow of something um yep. connection uh but they found that this is the interesting part and you got to factor this in given that we also know that the older consumer you're dealing with will probably be a woman in many purchasing decisions right so women are more nostalgic than men mm -hmm. but they don't get the return to youth feeling as much as men do and the, the researchers theorize that that's because getting older is just not as kind to women. And we know this, it's called gendered ageism. Um, you know, older men become distinguished and women, you know, are told that they're just old. Like the term silver fox, right, is, applies to older men. We don't have a term like that for, for women, but I was just watching a movie last night with 65-year-old Michelle Pfeiffer, and I'm like, that is a silver fox right there. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is my wife listening to this? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she looks great, you know? And she has just beautiful gray hair, and she's Michelle Pfeiffer, of course. But, <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I think that term silver fox should apply to, you know, all, all you know, everyone. Anyway. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, but I don't think I would be trying to intentionally trigger some feeling of youthfulness. I, I don't necessarily think that's necessary. I think 
at least at, at the level of the small business and the entrepreneur and, and, and the uh, freelancer, what have you, I think you're really trying to trigger connect to connection and ident shared identity, right? That's unity principle is rule number one. You start there and then you're able to persuade people to uh, embrace certain attitudes, really, that's what persuasion is. So that I think is what we're really going for. Um, I'm not even sure what the express benefit is of you using nostalgia to make someone feel younger, other than if you're trying to convince someone to buy your workout product or, you know, um, I suspect that a lot of times that feeling of youthfulness it happens with people who already have positing positive viewpoints of aging right uh and a lot of women do have positive viewpoints about getting older they just might not be as uh likely to be transported back to youth even though they tend to embrace nostalgia more so um I don't see, uh, we can always revisit this issue in the future if if I have some new epiphany, but you're really looking to connect. You're looking for shared identity with nostalgia at our level. At the big brand level, they're trying to have that connection with a product, right? Because corporations are these big, faceless, nameless things. And yet we know people connect more strongly with other human beings. So we have that on our side. And I think that's what we have to primarily put front and center when we're using nostalgia to connect with the particular age group with appropriate contextual references that basically says, I'm like you. And if it's something obscure that perhaps your people will know that the general population might not resonate as well with, then it becomes you're different like I'm different, which is the most powerful form of shared identity. Yeah. So what are some messages that marketers should avoid when it comes to nostalgia? I mean, you kind of hinted at some there with the differences between how men and you know older men, older women uh, tend to view uh, you know nostalgia and you know specifically when it comes to feelings of youthfulness. What should that tell us about what we should do and what we shouldn't do? Well, the key here is, even though we've kind of debunked the whole bittersweet thing, the worst thing you can do is, is spark this. In general, you don't want to spark those were the days. I mean, we are living our lives right now. Uh, older people need to have reinforcement that your life's not over. I mean, this is, is probably the best phase of your life. Uh, if you're going to look back, yes, do it for the good feeling, do it for the connectedness, all of that great stuff. But the worst thing you can do as a marketer, in my opinion, and I, I, I think this transcends my opinion, is to spark a feeling of the best days of your life are gone. Like you don't want to bring someone back. Like, like I said, with those rare commenters in the YouTube, under YouTube videos, you never want someone to feel like everything sucks now and it was good then because I'm not sure how that actually prompts a purchasing decision. You know, I mean, generally when people are depressed or what have you, that that's not the, 
let's go out and buy something mode. Um, and we also know that older consumers, if you ignore them, they'll, 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 they'll punish your brand for it. But if you treat them like they're inadequate, you know, frail, weak, secondhand citizens, they'll punish you for, for real, you know, they'll, they'll talk bad about you. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that, that would be what you have to avoid. And, and to me, that seems common sense, but I saw a recent post, a oh, group of copywriters on LinkedIn talking about how you would market this shower brace thing that basically older people use in the shower to make sure that they don't slip or what have you. Yeah. And a lot of the uh, the people participating are not from the United States, so that may have part of it, but it was all fear, mm. inadequacy. It was just like so outdated. Back to and, it, and I can't get up type message. Exactly, right? Yeah. And um, they don't understand that research shows that the, the older brain transforms literally as you get older to not only respond well to negative messages, but you tend to just block them out. And, and this just shows you how much ignorance is out there. So, you know, one thing is that older consumers are ignored, but you're going to see just tons of horrible marketing as people go, oh, there's money to be made. Let's scare the shit out of them. You know, it, <laughs> it's not, let's treat them like, oh, you're a problem to be solved. It's just ridiculous. I'm going to say it again. The I've fallen and I can't get up company went bankrupt. The company that succeeded them and took the slogan is a niche little direct marketing company. Okay. This is not the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, we've got all sorts of, uh, you know, everything research that backs up the neurology of it, the counterintuitive uh, reality that the older you get, the happier you are, um, that people are not only living longer, they are more healthy and able-bodied than ever, that the number of people in nursing homes and assisted living centers is a tiny fraction of the older population, that most people don't get dementia, like 90% of people never get dementia. And this shocks people because the culture we live in suggests that all of that is the opposite. Yeah. So do not ever make someone feel like the best days are gone. What you have to do is say, wasn't that great when we were all young, but let's do something great together now. So when you sent this topic over, it reminded me of this commercial that has always been kind of a running joke between me and my wife. I think it's from 2016. It's definitely around there. It's this old Mazda commercial. And I don't know if you remember this, They've got Aaron Paul doing this voiceover and it, you know, kind of starts out with this guy like getting a new car and it, you know, it kind of goes through all the stages of life. He learns how to drive, he goes to college, he meets the girl, he gets married, all of this stuff. And it's it's relatively interesting. But then you get to the final line. And the final line is it's, you know, now this guy, he's married at home, he's got a couple of kids, and it says, now in the garage, something new. And he goes and he finds the new Mazda and he's driving away in it. And then it's the final line reminds you of when you were you. And I remember the first time I saw that commercial sitting there with my wallet, I was like, 
what is that supposed to mean? Like when you were you? And I, I mean, I really took it personally because, you know, I just got married, had kids, you know, so I really felt like the ad was somehow trying to speak to me. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like me right now. Like, what are you trying to say when you were you? Like, it made me feel like the real me was back then. And I had to get in this car to feel the real me. It's like, but that just didn't compute at all. It goes right to the point you just made about you don't want to spark the best days of your life are gone. Which very much to me, now maybe I took it a different way than it was intended, but that is exactly the message that I took from the ad. I agree with you. <laughs> I, I think that's terrible. Um, Aaron Paul didn't write that line for sure. No. But um, yeah, a couple things here. You don't know if an advertisement works or not unless you keep seeing it forever. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times a, a brand level advertising they don't know what works you know because that generally make commercials to win awards instead of sell stuff um, i would suspect that did not work and if people out there don't remember this ad it's because they stopped running it okay but here's the bigger issue and i hope to address this um with an upcoming uh, episode of the podcast which is there are two industries that are the most ages tech and Madison Avenue, mm -hmm. right? And both have to change. Uh, and I think tech is going to probably get the clue first um, because age tech is becoming all the rage. In last week's uh, Longevity Gains newsletter, I talked about how the VCs finally woke up. They're looking at the numbers and they're like, oh my gosh, we've got to talk to people over the age of 50, right? So that's one of the signs you look for. It, it really blows my mind that I started longevity gains just slightly worried. I knew we weren't early from a demographic standpoint or a money standpoint, but I was like, how long is it going to take perception to shift? And the second half of 2023, I, I had seen more activity than I've seen since I started dealing with this industry, you know, this segment in 2019. Um, so the VCs are getting in on it. And the idea that you can stop or you can let people go at 40 in the tech industry is going to have to change. Number one, there's another trend that's catching a lot of steam. And not only are most entrepreneurs over the age of 45, they're the most innovative. And that's, again, that's counterintuitive to people who think the young kids, uh, but they're wrong, right? Um Founders that are older have more experience, they have more wisdom, they have more connections, they have they're more emotionally regulated uh, to keep going. It's uh it's just across the board. And so you're gonna see a lot of the entrepreneurial ventures in the longevity economy being people my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, right? So that's one thing. Um, so the companies that get funded will be increasingly with founders that are older. Uh, but general tech companies are going to have to retain older people because that ad, that Mazda ad was written by a young person because that's what Madison Avenue is the worst about. Like you're in your thirties, you're already on your way out. As <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like the, the heart of effective advertising and marketing is empathy. 
I'm not trying to rag on young people here, but how much empathy can a young person have? How much perspective can a 22-year-old have about older people? That's how you end up with ads like that that say shit that is just completely wrong because they don't understand what it's like to get older and that it gets better, right? Mm -hmm. For when you were you. What? You mean I was 20-something, drinking too much? Right. emotionally unstable those days oh yeah let me go back to that yeah i was responsible for no one except my own dumb decisions exactly Let's my do own again. dumb decisions right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think know. you become more you when you do have a family i mean not not universally but in my experience because then you realize it isn't about you it's about you taking yes. care of other people and and contributing and raising a family and all that good stuff anyway uh, yes. the, the ageism in those two industries has to change. Uh, I think tech will happen first, but who knows? We're, we're going to reach out to a guest here who has uh, expertise in uh, ageism in the tech industry and see if we can get them on the show. But uh, yeah, Madison Avenue. On one hand, I don't care, right? As a content marketer, as a bootstrapped entrepreneur, entrepreneur i i don't give a crap if brand advertisers ever get the clue because that's just more for us (laughs) but it just it doesn't there's a lot of people like our our conversation with michael clinton last episode he's literally talking to those people he's like yeah you've got to number one pay attention to the over 50 market number two you need to have older people in your agency if you're going to connect with older people, we'll just see how long that takes. So we're in a transitional period here, Jared, but uh, the, there's all good news for us, the people who are doing it at the small business level. You know, and one of the articles that you sent over today, too, talked about how nostalgic messages resonate a lot, especially with groups that tend to be excluded. You know, and this is part of the problem is older folks tend to be just, I mean, you know, we've talked about here, you know, times when the messaging is just wrong. Most of the time, there's just no messaging at all. They're forgotten about. And so these nostalgic messages help bring some of that connection because it's like, oh my goodness, someone remembered me, you know? And so, I mean, just to get back to that baseline is important and then improving the messaging beyond that. You're absolutely right. Um, The easiest way to uniquely position yourself is to serve an ignored market. So we've got that going and we're going to do the work to make sure we position ourselves perfectly for our particular people. But that, that, you know, period of time before everyone wakes up to this is why I'm just harping on people. Please don't sleep on this. Don't go, well, I'll wait a couple of years. You know, okay, you can, it's not going away, but I guarantee you it's going to be a much more crowded field at that point. So um, and again, the way you use nostalgia all comes down to your specific prospect, not just people over 50, not just boomers or Generation X. Uh, it really has to be a lot more dialed in and laser focused than that. And if you're interested in how to make that happen, uh, you can make a small investment in joining Longevity Gains Premium and uh, get up to speed. We've got the entire empowerment marketing framework. Uh, We've got that, which is our third power guide 
of organized uh, strategy and tactical information. And we're about to go into the all new leading expert thought leadership methodology, which uh, is something that no one's ever seen from me before, even though that's what I've been doing for 25 years. So anyway, you want to join us in premium? It's longevitygames.com slash dot com slash premium <laughs> yeah. or slash subscribe if you want to go straight to the sign up form anyway jared don't let mazda get you down well they no mazda is not getting me down i'm happy but you ain't driving a mazda right, right? <laughs> no <laughs> no way and yeah, now and now that... i want out of principle actually my wife and i had that conversation she's like it's not that bad i was like i would i wouldn't buy their car just out of the principle for how they made me feel with that ad. Right. You know? And I mean, <laughs> and they, you know, and again, that's why they take ads that don't work down because they're like, I think we just, we made a mistake here. Yes. Um, but yeah, I th this thing of insulting people as they get older is ridiculous. And I can't see a more mature, wiser executive I mean, I guess someone's got a green light this copy. I, I don't know, but don't let kids write your copy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Nothing against younger people. I love younger people. But when I was 22, I didn't understand anything about anything, much less the life experience of older people. So, yep. you know, to, and if you're you're in the in the demographic of 50 plus and you're thinking entrepreneurially right now or even freelance serving this market, You've got an unfair advantage. Let's get going. Let's do it. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks, everyone. Take care. <laughs>